Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. With Joe McLean and Emily Alcaraz. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. Good morning to you. Praise be to God. We've made it. We've made it to uh, the end of the week. Well, sort of. I mean, we still have Good Friday to get through, but we won't be here tomorrow. It's Good Friday, and we will be off. There'll be special programming coming to you through EWTN tomorrow morning, so praise be to God for that. And tonight, of course, Holy Mass for Monday, Thursday, right? It's uh, you know the washing of the feet. It's this upper room experience where the first Holy Mass was celebrated And Jesus provided his body, blood, soul, and divinity to his disciples to feed the faithful. What an opportunity we have to celebrate this incredible Holy Week. And today's program is going to be very, very packed. It's going to be incredible. In fact, um, Emily Alcaraz is not with us this morning. She is with her family uh, to celebrate uh, the rest of Holy Week and Easter Sunday. And, uh, And Fran Peterson came in this morning to fill in. Good morning to you, Fran. Good morning, Joe. Good morning, gentlemen. Yeah, Praise be to God for getting up early. <laughs> it is early. <laughs> but I'm so glad you're here. Thank you for coming in, Fran. Well, it's a pleasure to do this, especially on Holy Thursday, one of my favorite days of the year. Now, everybody who knows you knows you're like you're like you're like hardcore pro journalist and <laughs> hanging out with us. And we're just so grateful for you. You're going to add so much to the team. We're, we're, we're just we're excited about that. Well, I am excited about your show, which I listen to. And I am just the work you do is just fabulous. And the, the knowledge of everybody about the Catholic faith and, and uh, what it teaches and Praise the goodness God. of it. I, I'm, a, I'm honored to be a part. Amen. Praise be to God. So on the program today, coming up in just a little bit, actually, about uh, 12 minutes from now, Deirdre Hairston is going to be our guest in the What's Concerning Us section. You might re- remember on Monday, I think it was Monday, we, t- we talked about this story. She was uh, thrown out of Holy Mass at a parish in Dallas um, over the weekend, um, what was her crime? Was it because she was protesting with bullhorns, screaming and throwing things around? No, no, not at all. It's because she refused to wear the mask because she wasn't feeling good. Well, why not? Is she sick? No, she's she's pregnant. And the mask, you know, was just not uh, not cooperating with her at the moment. And they called the cops. And we're going to have a conversation with Deirdre Harrison about that incident and what has been the fallout. So that conversation is coming up in about 12 minutes. And then in our guest segment later in the hour, Mountain Butarek is going to be our guest. He is a Catholic travel guide in Rome. We're going to talk about Holy Week in the Eternal City, especially amid new lockdowns. So that conversation will be on the agenda. And then in the second hour, if you're at all able to join us, we would surely love to have you. Our trivia game show is on the agenda. Plus, today is the day we give out the actual prize. So we're going to pull the name out of the coffee cup of divine providence. And uh, SomedaySaints.com is our sponsor prize underwriter this week. And we will give that prize out today. So if you want your last three opportunities to get in on that, you better call in the second hour. And uh, when you stick around, we'll give out the phone number. So plus, we'll have we'll have an after show in the second hour as well. But today... We're going to stay live on the radio across uh, the entire uh, network. So all two hours, all radio today. It's going to be a special program. So stick around. So much coming your way in Catholic Drive Time. Let's begin with prayer. Whatever your intentions are, dear listener. And if you're watching us on a live video feed today, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, 
God love you for doing it. Smash the like button for me. Uh, but uh, you can comment with your prayer intention. That would be pretty cool. And if you're listening on the station of the Cross radio station or the Guadalupe Radio Network, God knows your intentions, and so does Our Lady, and we're asking for her to whisper those into the ear of her divine child, our Lord and Savior Jesus. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come. Before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. And now the headlines with Fran Peterson. Thank you, Joe. Amid a plan to merge and close dozens of parishes, the Archdiocese of Chicago has disproportionately closed parishes that minister to black Catholics. According to Cliff Barber, Chief Strategy Officer of the Archdiocese, because of low attendance, they are being closed. Under Cardinal Blaise Kupich's project, Renew My Church, Chicago has been closing and merging parishes for several years, with the latest round of mergers announced March 9 through 10. Nearly 40 parishes are closed, are listed as being closed on its website, and they minister specifically to black community. There are nearly 800 predominantly black Catholic parishes across the U.S., mostly in the East and the South. A Catholic diocese in Italy has described a priest's refusal to bless palms on Sunday because of the Vatican's rejection of blessing of same-sex unions. They've described it as reprehensible. Father Guglio Mignani, a priest who's 50 years old and the pastor of the Santa Caterina Parish in Bonasola, uh, said during the, his homily on March 28th, if I can't bless same-sex couples, then I can't bless uh, palms and olive branches either. That was according to a local newspaper. The diocese in a press release said the matter is being assessed according to the current canonical norms. And getting this computer to uh, lower down to my <laughs> next story is going to be an interesting thing here. Uh, this particular story that I'm skipping, I can't find the Masters in Craftsmanship website on Spain, so we can't talk about that. But Arkansas is set to ban gender transitioning procedures for children. The Arkansas Senate voted 28 to 7 on Monday to pass House Bill 1570, known as the To Create the Arkansas Save Adolescents from Experimentation Act, or the SAFE Act. It's expected to be signed into law by the governor. The bill also bans the use of public funding of gender transition procedures of children under the age of 18. And finally, two-thirds, according to a Pew Research um, Center survey, two-thirds of U.S. Catholics say that President Joe Biden, who has contradicted church teaching on abortion, marriage, and gender ideology, should be allowed to receive communion. That's, of course, if you believe the Pew Research Center's survey. That is our headlines with a Catholic perspective, Joe. Nothing but good news for you, friend. Yeah. Nothing but good news. I'm searching. I'm searching. <laughs> Blessed Anacleto Gonzalez Flores, pray for us. 
He was born on the 13th of July, 1888 in Jalasco in Mexico. He was the second of 12 children born to Valentin and Maria. He entered the seminary and was an excellent student, but realized that he did not have the call to the priesthood and he ended up discerning out. He became a lawyer instead in the Archdiocese of Guadalajara, and he married Maria Concepcion Guerrero, and they had two children. He attended Mass daily, visited uh, prisoners, and taught catechism. He was a leader in the Catholic Association of Mexican Youth and founded the magazine La Palabra to speak out against the anti-Catholic actions of the Plutarco Calles government. He founded the popular union to organize peaceful opposition to the Calle government and their anti-Catholic actions. When official oppression escalated to murder, Anaclito began writing and speaking out against the government, urging people to support and aid the rebels in what became known as the Cristero War. Looking for a way to crack down on the Catholic leadership, officials arrested Anticleto on a false charge of murdering an American. Edgar Wilkins. Gonzalez was tortured, he was mutilated, and finally executed. He, is, uh, he was shot by firing squad on the 1st of April, 1927, in Guadalajara. His last words, I die, but God does not die. He was beatified on the 20th of November, 2005, by Pope Benedict XVI. Blessed Anacleto Gonzalez Flores, pray for us. The gospel today comes from John chapter 13, verses 1 through 15. Before the feast of Passover, Jesus knew that his hour had come to pass from this world to the Father. He loved his own in the world, and he loved them to the end. The devil had already induced Judas, son of Simon the Iscariot, to hand him over. So, during supper, fully aware that the father had put everything into his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God, he rose from supper and took off his outer garments. He took a towel and tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and dry them with the towel around his waist. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Master, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus answered and said to him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but you will understand later. Peter said to him, You will never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, Unless I wash you, you will have no inheritance with me. Simon Peter said to him, Master, then not only my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus said to him, Whoever has bathed has no need except to have his feet washed, for he is clean all over. So you are clean, but not all. For he knew who would betray him. For this reason he said, Not all of you are clean. So when he had washed their feet and put his garments back on and reclined at table again, he said to them, Do you realize what I have done for you? You call me teacher and master, and rightly so, for indeed I am. If I, therefore, the master and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash one another's feet. I have given you a model to follow, so that as I have done for you, you should also do. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. The Passover. I love John's uh, depiction here 
I love this passage for many reasons, mostly because of typological reasons. And Adrian and I, you and I were talking off air about how your pastor gave a homily last night, just, just rich, full of typology. And I'm like a typo- typology junkie, so I can never get enough of it. But in this particular one, um, this is, uh, there's the, the parallels between the Passover, where God brought the Israelites out of the slavery of bondage, uh, out of Egypt, uh, and this new Passover, this new Exodus, this new uh, saving mankind from the slavery of sin is stark and amazing. And this is why we have this incredible passage that John is, is making this very clear to us. I mean, in the original Passover, the angel of death passed over, and it was the blood marked on the doorposts that uh, marked the houses that the angel of death would pass over and save their lives. And now it would be the blood on the cross that would save mankind. But there's also this washing section. Uh, There's, of course, the obvious, uh, you know, look at how humble our Lord is. He's doing the work of of a servant or a slave. And that's true. Praise be to God. He is very humble. He ends with that, too. It sort of bookends, right? The humility of, of taking off his garments and, and putting them back on again. And even that alone is foreshadowing for, for laying his life down and picking it back up in the resurrection. But look at the priestly ordination that's going on in front of you. You know, I had a conversation with my daughter last night. And we were talking about uh, St. Paul's letter to Timothy and how Timothy is a bishop. And she's like, well, I don't think Paul used the word bishop. And I said, there's a principle in scripture study. If it, if it looks like a duck, if it talks like a duck, if it quacks like a duck and walks like a duck, we call it a duck, even if the word duck was never used. And here's true. Jesus is ordaining these men, and you go from John chapter 13 all the way to 16, it is just chalked full of this priestly language. And here we see the example of the washing of the feet. Just like Moses washed Aaron and his sons to consecrate them as priests of God Most High in Exodus 40, and they had a part of or the Greek word is meros. They had a meros, according to the Greek Septuagint of the Old Testament. They had a meros in God. And so Jesus is washing the feet of his disciples so they will have a meros, according to the Greek word used here, a part in his ministry. And he is ordaining them as priests in, his, uh, in this new kingdom. Now, it's interesting because Peter says, Oh, you can't wash my, my feet, Lord, as if it's uh, some sort of too menial task for Jesus. And he says, you'll have no meros. And then he's like, his response is, oh, then my head and my hands too, just like Moses did for Aaron. So even Peter recognizes what is going on here. Were the the apostles baptized? Jesus seems to intimate that they're washed and clean all over, except for their feet. It's a fascinating thought. I think there's some debate there, but it could be that the apostles were baptized already. It's powerful. Jesus ordains these men as priests to provide us with the Holy Sacraments, the Holy Eucharist, and God's life in general. We'll be right back. Deirdre Harrison will be our guest coming up next. Atheists claim they don't need God to be a good person, implying God's not relevant to morality. But is this true? Well, atheists can be good in the sense of knowing behaviors that respect the goods of human nature and living accordingly. St. Paul acknowledges this natural moral law in Romans chapter 2. But this doesn't mean God is irrelevant when it comes to morality. And here's the reason. Besides God's grace being necessary to live the moral law perfectly and merit heaven, 
God is necessary for the law to be morally binding. How can the moral law be binding if there's no moral law giver behind it that surpasses human authority? The answer is, it can't. So, an atheist can follow the natural moral law, but only the theist is consistent in saying that such a law is morally obligatory. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, catholic.com. Hi, Joe McLean here, host of the Catholic Drive Time, heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern, right here. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of the Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations. Real Estate for Life offers their clients a faith-based experience. Real Estate for Life is online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Uh, praise be to God. I want to thank Luz and Lori and Glenn and everybody else for sharing our videos this morning. We're very grateful to you for sharing our live video stream on, on Facebook. I can't see how many people share on YouTube, but uh, Susan and Angelo and Chris and everybody else, God bless you and good morning to you, Monica. Thank you for being on with us. We're so uh, grateful to have you a part of our program. Uh, and don't forget, uh, Mountain Butreik is going to be our guest in the guest segment in about uh, 18, 20 minutes from now to talk about uh, what is Holy Week going to be like in the Eternal City, especially amid lockdowns and all the other rest. So uh, he'll be our guest. We'll talk about that. But joining us in this segment right now is uh, Deirdre Hairston. She is a, uh, a Catholic parishioner up in the Diocese of Dallas. And you might remember, we talked about this on Monday. Uh, over the weekend, uh, her and her husband and their baby were tossed out of a Catholic church um, because she wasn't wearing a mask. And uh, we're going to get the story on that. It seems rather insane for a Catholic to be tossed out of a Catholic church uh, for something so simple. But uh, let's, uh, let's hear the story here. Deirdre, good morning to you. Good morning, Joe. Thank you. Uh, it's good to have you on. Thank you for, for getting up early and being with us today. Uh, so let's start at the beginning. What, what, what happened? Yes, so I was attending the 5 p.m. Mass at Holy Trinity uh, on Oak Lawn here in Dallas with my husband and my one-year-old daughter. And I'm actually newly pregnant. So Congratulations. Was, thank you. But I was feeling very nauseous and lightheaded, so I removed the mask Keep in mind that I was extremely socially distanced. I was in the very far back right corner of the church, not even 10 to 15 feet within anyone at all. And the uh, pastor approached me, Father uh, Milton Ryan, and said that if I did not put the mask on, he was going to call the police, which is exactly what he did. So I was able, by the grace of God, to receive Holy Communion. But upon my return from Holy Communion, the officers had arrived. So there were three police officers swarming my chair. Um, but I, I, I just knelt anyway, holding my daughter to pray, you know, after receiving our Christ, uh, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And within seconds, the police officer grabs my arm to tell me she will put me in handcuffs and arrest me if I did not leave with her right, right then and there. So, of, of course, we complied and, and were uh, we left <laughs> with the police officers. They then proceed to take my driver's license, all my information. The usher takes it upon himself to follow us outside, 
to tell the officers, ticket her. She's never allowed back here again. They, the, the priest and the usher seemed almost gleeful to see this occurring. And he took it upon himself to take pictures of my license, my, uh, my license plate. And the whole thing was so frightening and upsetting. And I'm just really sad it had to happen. Wow. Um, I don't even know where to begin. It's so crazy of a story. I mean, I got to tell you, I've, I've had people with bullhorns in our parish protesting um, and cops weren't called to, we, we kicked them out, trust me, but cops weren't called. No tickets were issued. No license plates were photographed. And um, you didn't have a bullhorn, right? I mean, you, were, you weren't yelling and screaming and chastising people for wearing masks and socially distancing, were you? Absolutely not. No, I was just there to attend, you know, my holy obligation to the wonderful mass. And I was, again, sitting, I was already socially distanced. I, I couldn't have been more socially distanced in the church. Um, and I was feeling ill due to pregnancy. Wow. So, yeah. And when, when the pastor approached you, so halfway through mass, he comes up to you. And this is when he says to you, unless you put that on, I'm calling the cops. Correct. Yes. He actually, and I quote, say, if you're, if you are an obedient Catholic, you will put that mask on. Wow. Now, have you ever heard a priest say that to you about any other issue within the church? Never once. I mean, how about uh, teaching the faith about real presence of Christ in the Holy Eucharist or marriage between a man and a woman or abortion or, or euthanasia or, or anything at all, ever? I've never heard that once. <laughs> but the mask did you the mask, dear? Did you let the para, Did you let the pastor know that you are you are pregnant and you're just feeling a little nauseous, morning sickness? It's very very common I hear for for uh, first trimester moms to have morning sickness. My wife tells me so. So uh, did you share that with him? I didn't even get the opportunity. I mean, it all happened so quickly, and I again, this was in the middle of mass, so it's not like we were having much discord at all. I was mm. I was trying to remain reverent and respectful and prayerful throughout throughout it all it was within seconds he just came up to me wow. told me that and stormed off i bet the shock was pretty high absolutely and, and frightening <laughs> and so when okay so he said he says to you unless you put it on obedient catholic you must wear that mask and uh, you go to holy communion and you come back and you find the police standing there that's right what yes. was your first thought when that happened when you saw that what what i, mean, I bet your heart was skipping a beat Honestly, I, I will be honest. I did feel a lot of peace for some reason that I feel like was divine. I feel like the Holy Spirit just gave me this serenity, honestly, throughout the whole experience. I was holding my daughter. My my main concern uh, was, once she said that, was to not get arrested because <laughs> I'm still actually a nursing mom. And I, I was I was really, I just love my faith. I love, I love the Mass, and I was just trying to attend. Mass. That's it. I was trying to receive the sacraments. I wasn't trying to have any problems. Um, so I just really couldn't believe any of that was happening at all. You're you're much more uh, calm than than I than I am. <laughs> I my, my blood is like is boiling because like the whole idea, like Joe was mentioning earlier, and nobody gets thrown out of mass these days. Like there, the whole idea of excommunication is gone. Uh, the whole idea of uh, refusing someone communion is gone. There is even talks amongst many people of 
giving communion to Protestants, which is impossible. You cannot do. You're not allowed to do that. Uh, but the draw, the line that is drawn, and I see this everywhere, even in in uh, in a diocese where there's more, it's more orthodox uh, places where you wouldn't think that this happens at. For some reason, the mask is the line where people, if you, this is the, I go no further, a line where uh, if you see someone without a mask, then you have to do something. The pastors are are obsessed with the idea of obedience surrounding this particular issue, which blows my mind. I've been told personally by uh, other people that I, I need to be obedient. And if I am not obedient and wearing a mask, then I am sinning. Uh, and that, that blows my mind is to think that that would be targeted, but you never hear anything about modesty, about, like Joe was saying, abortion, about the real presence, about any of these things. Politicians, uh, Joe Biden was refused communion, what, six times, uh, ever? And, uh, that's some brave priest there. But, uh, where this doesn't happen, why, why do you think that this happened to you? I couldn't agree more. And what, what actually makes me scared is had the police officers arrived, even, a minute sooner, I think I would have been denied Holy Communion. And wow. I think, honestly, that was the the pastor's goal, was to make sure I didn't get to go up and receive Holy Communion. And that is actually against canonical law. Yeah. If you are a practicing Catholic in the state of grace, they do not have the right to deny us the sacraments. So that's extremely frightening. And, you know, I think this also just brings back the fact, brings it to the fact that this is more than a health issue. The mask, if we're being honest and calling a spade a spade, has turned into a political issue. Because if it was truly about health, I was, I'm healthy. There's nothing wrong with me. I oppose no threat. And not that this is anyone's business, but I have the antibodies. I cannot give anybody the coronavirus. I was socially distanced. And I think it all boils down to obedience to the pastor. And I think the second he saw that I was not going to just comply within a second of him telling me they go from zero to a hundred of anger and emotion and it almost overwhelms them it's so odd and again i think it's just about you're not obeying me it's excuse me maybe this word but it's almost like it's just a communist game of of obedience without without question and it's just hard for me to stand for that in the holy mass Deirdre Hairston is our guest. We have about four more minutes uh, with her. And as you've been listening to, she was uh, thrown out of a parish during Holy Mass last Sunday. We're recounting that story. So uh, so they, the police grabbed your arm and threatened to handcuff you, but you had your baby in your arms. And then you ended up uh, walking outside. Maybe you can describe really quickly what happened at that point. Yes. Yeah, so we step outside. Again, the usher follows us and... Um, you know, he's yelling, ticket her. She's never allowed back here again, which I've also found out after the fact that even though this particular parish is run by Vincentians, um, they, this pastor, the ushers, they, they don't own the church, right? So they don't have the right to, uh, tell me I'm trespassing. Oh, so the police officer, I said, did I commit a crime? She kept saying, you are trespassing. Uh, this is a business and the business does not want you here. To which I responded, this isn't a business. This isn't McDonald's. This is a sanctuary. This is a place of worship. Amen. And um, she said, well, she she obviously wasn't a Catholic. And she just kept saying over and over, this this is a business. And they don't want you here. You are trespassing. You are trespassing. Um, But again, back to what I was saying is that they do not have the right, you know, to to, uh, 
ticket me as, as trespassing. I'm actually still not allowed back to the parish. The police officer said, if I ever step foot back on that property again, I will be trespassing and arrested. So I'm being denied the sacraments. It's Holy Week. I can't go there Easter. I can't, it's, it's egregious. And, um, they don't really, I believe have the jurisdiction to, to do that, but, um, it's all upsetting. I, I did. I do. I understand correctly that the bishop in Dallas called you. He did. He did. That Bishop Edward Burns did call me. However, he he apologized, but he is on the other hand, he's essentially telling me that that all of his pastors have the power to do what Father Milton Ryan did if wow. they wanted. Wow. And that yes, because he said it's up to the pastor's discretion. To decide whether or not to enforce mask wearing. To have people so arrested, that, Catholics arrested and kicked out. According to the, the statement by the diocese, that is correct. Wow. I wonder how many people approach Holy Communion in a state of mortal sin, unrepentant for living in, in, in crazy uh, lifestyle choices. And no cops are ever called for that. But for the Absolutely. mask. And also his statement, the statement by Bishop Burns also doesn't make sense because if it truly is up to the pastor's discretion, then what if a particular pastor wanted to allow a, a same-sex marriage? I mean, is that up to the pastor as right. well? I mean, where does the line, where's the line drawn on this? I think it was very cowardly of Bishop Burns. He has never uh, specifically said, by the way, that masks are required or not required. He has said they are expected. Well, the word expected is a very vague word. Our own, our own governor has lifted the mask mandate. So our church is being more militant on this issue. I mean, sorry, our, our, the state yeah, than, our, than our government. And by the way, uh, COVID cases are on the de decline over the past two weeks, even without the mask mandates and open 100%. Uh, we have seconds left with you, Deirdre. Final thoughts. Where do we go from here? Well, to be honest, I think this is happening a lot more throughout the country than we realize. So, um, I think it's up, you know, the church, we are the laity. The laity is the church. I think it's up to us to stand up against some of this tyranny. And I think first and foremost, I would like respect for our Lord made present in the Eucharist. And you don't call the police on uh, someone who just received the Eucharist. It's a sacrilege. And secondly, respect for canonical and legal rights. Um, All right. Catholics cannot be denied. Well, praise be to God, Deirdre. Um, so sorry this happened to you and your family. We'll be praying for you. We're also praying for the diabolical confusion to be cast out. God bless you, Deirdre. We'll be right back after this short break. Don't go anywhere. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever heard someone say, all religions believe basically the same thing. They only differ in their external forms, in the way they express it. G.K. Chesterton says the truth is precisely the other way around. The religions of the world do not differ greatly in rites and forms. They do differ greatly in what they teach. In most every religion, people pray, they sing, they read sacred texts, they honor their traditions, they have special feasts, they light candles and so on. But they don't teach the same things. They don't believe the same things. There's only one religion that believes that Christ is the Son of God, that he suffered and died for our sins and then he rose from the dead. Only one religion believes in one holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Want more than a minute? Chesterton.org Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern. 
right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. It's so good to be on with you. Emily Alcarez is off today. She is hanging out in Chicago with her family for the rest of Holy Week and Good Friday and, uh, and Easter Sunday morning. So she'll be back on Monday. But uh, in the studio with us this morning is Fran Fawcett-Peterson filling in. God bless you, Fran. Uh, what's the headline news today? Well, the headline news today is it has been confirmed that a Catholic priest and at least six others were killed by gunmen in an attack on St. Paul's Catholic Church in Nigeria's Diocese of Kasina Allah. Um, gunmen invaded the village of Itwar, and I apologize to anybody if I am massacring the name of the village, <laughs> um, but many of the villagers took refuge in the parish premises. The gunmen had set fire on houses before killing the people who were taking refuge. Father Ferdinand was ordained to the priesthood in 2015. The diocese noted that he was on his way to renew his priestly vows alongside his brother priests in the Chrism Mass at St. Gerard Magella Cathedral when he was killed. Uh, President Biden is leading the, co- the government to take over a larger segment of American society. According to the Wall Street Journal, Biden's plan reverses the Reagan-era notion that the private sector can do a better job. Yesterday, he unveiled a public works package of $2.3 trillion, which would boost corporate taxes to pay for roads and research. Um, According to the Wall Street Journal, Biden's economic team's ambitions of its multi-trillion dollar proposals gives Washington a new commercial role in matters ranging from charging stations for electric vehicles to child care. And finally, I wanted to let you know that the massive Christ the Redeemer statue overlooking Rio de Janeiro in Brazil is undergoing restoration ahead of its 90th anniversary. They are going to actually x-ray the whole 100-foot statue to determine what needs to be repaired. Wow. Is that something? I would, I'd want to see how that happens. Oh, yeah. That's so magnificent. I have not had the opportunity yeah. to see that, but I look forward to it. God's will be done. Praise be to God. Wouldn't it be amazing to see that? You know, they offer mass uh, at Up the there? foot of the statue. What? Yeah, and Eucharistic adoration. Oh, know? at sunrise? And, Wouldn't ooh, that be powerful? Yeah. Oof, we got to go. <laughs> All right. Uh, I want to just thank Real Estate for Life.org for generously underwriting a portion of the Catholic Drive Time show. Uh, we're very grateful to them for supporting our our mission here, and they help connect people who are buying and selling houses uh, with a faith-based experience, and they support pro-life organizations like ours. And uh, their website is realestateforlife.org. Joining us right now via Zoom chat all the way from the Eternal City, Mountain Butraic. Uh, hopefully I said your name correctly. Uh, good morning to you, Mountain. Thank you for being on with us today. Good morning, Joe. Thanks for having me. Uh, praise be to God. Now, uh, I know a lot of people have uh, been following your, your sort of your live Facebook videos over the past year when the lockdown started to happen. I mean, you've moved to the Eternal City, I don't know, a couple of years ago, and your family lived there, and you're a professional guide. Uh, let's start with that first. What has it been like being an expat in the Eternal City whose job it is to take pilgrims on pilgrimage 
and you get locked down. What 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 is that like? Well, I very quickly learned to pivot to a virtual style of pilgrimage, which isn't the same at all. But I know that so many people have a desire to visit and I mean, everyone is basically stuck at home right now. And so I'm, I'm thankful that I'm here and able to show people what's going on in Rome. The Eternal City is, has such a, uh, a mystical quality to it. I had the great privilege of going to Rome on pilgrimage in 2005, and I knew I didn't have a guide. We, had, we didn't know anything about anything. We, had, we, we literally just showed up, got a hotel near the Vatican, and started trying to figure stuff out. And st- even with nothing uh, in my favor, it was still an incredible uh, mystical type of an experience. What is it about Rome uh, that uh, has that quality to it? I mean, it's, it's the center of our faith. I mean, of course, it started in Jerusalem, but when Christ sent everyone out to spread the gospel, they came to Rome because Rome was the center, basically, of the universe at the time. All roads led to Rome, so all roads led out of Rome. And so, I mean, in a city of nearly a thousand churches, even if you don't plan, don't have a guide, it's impossible not to have an amazing experience because of so much history surrounding us. I've said this before on the radio, but I'll share it again here. Um, there was so much we didn't do in Rome because we just didn't know. I, for instance, St. Mary Major or Tre Fontane. I mean, I mean the, uh, the uh, Scavi tour. I didn't even right. know that existed at the time. Um, <laughs> uh, but one of the coolest things that I had ever, that I got to do in Rome was on my son's eighth birthday, we, we decided to brave the metro uh, because, you know, we heard that, you know, Americans get pickpocketed all the time, so we were afraid of getting a you know mug there. But uh, we braved the metro. We went to the Colosseum. That was a powerful experience. Colosseum. Uh, one of my favorite uh, early church fathers is uh, Ignatius of Antioch, who was offered to the lions in that very Colosseum. Uh, San Clemente, just a, a block up the street, you know, where the church met to pray for Saint Ignatius of Antioch while he was being eaten by lions. Um, and then, of course, you have uh, Lateran Hill further up from that. You know, the, the actual cathedral, the church is up there. You know, so there's all these incredible spots. But for me, it was the, 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 the well, the, the, the prison where they held St. Peter in chains uh, before, uh, before his execution. St. Paul as well, from what I'm told. That, to me, was something otherworldly in many ways. Being in that hole, in that pit, and touching those walls knowing that Peter stood there and touched those walls. I got the goose pimples. It was pretty incredible. Uh, it, yeah. What is that like living there and seeing that stuff? Do you, have to, do you take that for granted? I know that's a crazy question, but do you take that stuff no, for granted? No, not at all. It, it's a, a perfectly valid question. We moved over seven years ago, and the very first night, uh, my wife and kids had already gone to bed, and I went over to St. Peter's Square, looked at the church, and I prayed that I would never – take it for granted because it is easy to just get lost in the day-to-day and everything kind of just becomes normal. But um, that first year I was here, I went to every single papal event. I went to hundreds and hundreds of churches. And even to this day, I mean, I go out every day and explore, try to find something new. You mentioned Mamertine Prison that was really powerful to you. For me, it's the Scala Santa, the Holy Stairs, Mm. 
Um, See, I've, I didn't, I've I didn't know. Hundreds of times. Yeah, you probably didn't know about that back then, right? <laughs> I was like, you're kidding. Um, I was right there. <laughs> you were right across the street if you were at the ladder. And yeah. tell, tell our audience what that is. So these are the stairs that led up to Pilate's Praetorium. So these are the ones that were in Jerusalem. Christ would have gone up these stairs. He would have been sent back down, beaten, had to go back up the stairs again after the scourging, and then walk down the steps again to be sent away to his death. And Queen Helena, Constantine's mother, after he legalized Christianity, she traveled to Jerusalem looking for relics. And one of the things she brought back were these 28 marble steps. And it sounds like a big feat, but remember, she was the emperor's mom, so she could pretty much do whatever she wanted. And the steps were actually, they were, she sliced each one of them. And so it was just like 28 pieces of marble that they pieced back together in Rome. And so they've been here since the fourth century. And pilgrims for hundreds of years have been going up these stairs on their knees. And every time I take people, there's people in tears. Uh, I mean, because you're, you're kneeling where Christ bled as he was dying. And it's, it's painful to go up on your knees. But I always tell people, you know, imagine what Christ was going through and what he knew was going to happen that day. And it doesn't make the pain go away, but it helps you deal with it a little better. Uh, is that location open right now? It is. Yeah. They wow. were closed uh, during our initial lockdown. We were closed. Things were closed for like 55 days, um, but it's been reopened since. They have some protocols in place. Like they only allow so many people on the steps at a time. You have to wear little foot coverings, um, but it is open. Yeah, definitely. Which I guess begs the question, what is the current status of Rome as far as lockdowns go? So we... Numbers got a little bad here um, over the last couple weeks. And so we were locked down again, what they call red zone. We're on a three-tiered system, red being the most strict, but it was nothing like a year ago when we couldn't leave the house at all. So churches remained open. Masses are still going on. There's no limit to how many people can be in churches. You don't have to make reservations, nothing like um, seeing back in the States. Um, and so right now we've started to open up again. Uh, the only thing that's really down right now are restaurants. They're not allowed to open for in-person dining. They can do takeaway, um, but they're really struggling. That's It feels like they're the ones taking the biggest hit right now. You know, it's funny. You mentioned the restaurants and takeaway. Um, when we went to Rome, it was a miracle how we got to go to on pilgrimage. Um, my... Uh, my boss at the time, who was a fallen away Catholic, and I was uh, deathly scared to have conversations with because I was afraid he was going to fire me. Uh, but we, we would go on these business trips, and he'd ask me about the Catholic faith, and I would sweat bullets the entire time. But when JP2 died, he came to me and says, you've done such a good job. I want to reward you, but I can't give you a raise. I'm like, oh, great. Here we go. You're going to give me more work. And he said, I'm going to send you to Rome for the conclave with my travel budget. Wow. And I was like, yeah, that's what I'm like. Whoa, you're kidding. That's amazing. And I called my wife and I was very excited. And I'm like, honey, you're not going to guess. I get to go to Rome. She goes, no, you don't. I said, yes, I do. <laughs> she says, I'm pregnant. You're not going anywhere. I said, oh, okay. Oh. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Well, by the grace of God, we got to go to Rome. We ate one meal out the entire seven days we were there. And uh, it was at a Mexican restaurant across the street from the hotel. And we asked for takeout. <laughs> and they looked at me like I had seven heads. Uh, all right, don't go anywhere. We're going to pause our conversation with Mountain Butarik, travel guide in Rome. We're going to talk about the Holy Week right after this very short break. So don't go anywhere. Catholic Drive Time is coming right back.
Saint Benedict tells us to love fasting and chastity, a very tall order. One minute monk, Abbot Placid Solari of Belmont Abbey. We probably find each of those things difficult and often do not feel like loving them at all. But in his rule, Saint Benedict reminds us that love is not just a good feeling. He teaches us that love is always a deliberate, intentional choice. Such choices take sacrifice and discipline, and that's where fasting and chastity come in. Their frequent practice can teach us self-control and help us in the hard work of becoming steadfast and strong in love. For your free copy of the Rule of Saint Benedict, visit oneminutemonk.com. O N E minutemonk.com. The next time we are struggling for self-control and not feeling particularly happy about it, we'll make it easier if we remind ourselves that we are training to become perfect in love. Hi, I'm Emily Alcaraz, and I'm the co-host of the Catholic Drive Time Show, which airs from Monday to Friday at 6 a.m. Central Time. I'm excited to announce our partnership with our new underwriter, Real Estate for Life. Real Estate for Life offers a faith-based experience while supporting the gospel of life. They work with over a 1,000 pro-life agents worldwide and generously support a variety of pro-life organizations. Their website is realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Don't forget, in the next hour, we're going to have Fear and Trembling, the Catholic Trivia Game Show, where prizes are involved. In fact, we pull the prize winner today. Your last three chances to get in on that prize will be today in the next hour. If you can join us, we'd love to have you. If you need the links to our social feeds to be a part of it, you can always find those online at grnonline.com forward slash cdt. Joining us again via Zoom chat from Rome is Mountain Butark, Catholic travel guide. Uh, Mountain, welcome back to the show. Let's talk about uh, the Triduum Holy Week in the Eternal City. What is it going to be like this year? So this year we have a curfew, first of all. So we have to be home by 10 p.m. So that kind of puts a damper on the Holy Thursday tradition of visiting the altars of repose, uh, where we visit. It's supposed to be seven churches, but most people try to hit as many as they can before midnight. Um, so that's still going to happen, but it's just going to be kind of cut back a little bit. Uh, the papal liturgies are all closed to the public for the Triduum. Um, so he'll be doing the Stations of the Cross in St. Peter's Square tomorrow, uh, but we're not allowed to go. So we'll just have to watch it online like everyone else. Uh, but Masses, they're still going on. We're allowed to go to Mass. Um, so it'll be a little different, but I'm just thankful. Last year, you know, Masses were closed to the public. This year, they're not. So that's that's huge. That is I I, I can't tell you, Mountain, how... How depressed I was. I was angry on Easter yeah. Sunday morning, trying to stream a mass in front with my kids, my wife and kids. I was crying. I was so bitter because mm-hmm. um, it's the highest feast day of the year. And I'm sure we could find a giant parking lot, a field. I mean, there, where there's a will, there's a way. And, and right. instead we got locked down and that was so depressing. So I can, I can imagine uh, the joy uh, that Roman Catholics must be feeling to be able to just go to Mass on Easter Sunday morning. Um, have you had that experience there? Uh, for Easter Mass? Uh, but the sentiments Here? of the people that live there. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, definitely. Um, 
Yeah, it's a huge deal because I know it's hard for everyone to not be able to go to mass and that's still going on in different parts of the world. But to have mass taking away in Rome, like a couple of blocks from the Vatican where I live, like it's, it wasn't just like an attack on each of us, you know, it felt like mm. it was a hit to the church yeah. to see the Vatican shut down and the churches of Rome shut down. Um, so yeah, people are definitely excited to be getting back and churches are crowded. I mean, even more so than before all this began. So I think that wow. people have returned to the faith in greater force here than before. Do you think that will have a lasting impact? I mean, uh, you might remember yeah. post 9-11, churches were full, right? Right. Uh, right? But things obviously settled back down after some time and, and, uh, and the numbers went back to where they were before. Uh, it would be amazing to hear that this has reinvigorated the faith in the hearts of the Italians. Do you see? I that? hope it sticks around, but you know, you never know. You never know. We'll have to see in yeah. time. But right now, it looks beautiful. Wow! Praise be to God. Well, Mountain, uh, I was wondering. So, one of the traditions that I have had since uh, I was at University of Saint Thomas, me and my friends would do the seven pilgrimage churches in Houston. Uh, so we'd go and visit seven be- the most beautiful churches in Houston, and we go and visit them uh, for Holy Week or for the Triduum, and. Uh, I know this tradition really started with St. Philip Neri in Rome. Is that still a thing that happens in Rome? And uh, is that possible for people to do? Because I I love that tradition. I've always dreamt of being able to go to Rome and do the seven pilgrimage churches. Uh, So what is it like uh, in Rome for the seven pilgrimage churches? Well, it is still going on. Uh, We do have a curfew till 10, so we can't go until midnight as usual. Um, and there are some other restrictions too, like some churches, they're not going to a side chapel or a side altar because they want to uh, use the main altar because there's more space for the people. Um, I don't expect to see as many people out this year as in the past, uh, but last year we couldn't do it. So I'm super excited to be able to do that today. And I'm even doing it live on social media tonight um, so that people back home can enjoy it as well. When did that tradition start? It is rumored that it was something that St. Philip Neri started. He did start the seven pilgrim church pilgrims uh, pilgrimage, which goes to St. Peter, St. Paul, the Wall, St. Mary Major, St. John Lateran, St. Sebastian, St. Lorenzo, and Santa Croce. Um, I'm not 100% sure if he started the night visit to the altars of repose. Uh, some say that that was him. So I don't know when it started, but it's definitely been going on for hundreds of years. Will there still be a uh, a way of the cross on Friday to the Colosseum? No, it's being moved uh, to St. Peter's Square. Just like last year, if you recall last year, the Holy Father had it in the piazza. Um, And this year, it's going to be a group of scouts leading the meditations around the piazza. Mm. Um, So the young young Italian scout group here. So how do you normally, on a normal uh, Easter or Triduum, how would you normally celebrate this time? And uh, how, what would you do normally as opposed to what are you doing for Holy Week this week, this last week, and then going forward to the Triduum? Uh, well, nothing changes for me this year because everything is open. So um, as a family, we're going to do the churches tonight. Uh, we'll go to the Holy Thursday Mass. Um, tomorrow on Good Friday, we will have uh, the Way of the Cross at our church. And then we're going to do the Easter vigil this year. Um, and then Sunday lunch, that's a huge thing in Italy, uh, the big Sunday pranzo. So 
We've got a lot of food planned for that day. One thing that's different this year, uh, you can't really have guests over. Um, so you're only allowed like two visitors a day or something like that. Just weird they made up for Easter weekend. Excuse me, Fran here. How does how does anybody know you've had more than two guests? I guess they're kind of maybe hoping people will tell on other people. What? Um, Doesn't this harken back to the fascist Nazi era? Yes. I mean, that's how it felt during our lockdown. Our lockdown at the beginning was super strict. Um, I mean, you couldn't even visit your grandmother. Like if they had a rule last time that if you visited your grandmother, she couldn't give you food. Oh, like, God. How do they keep up with that? How, 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 how do you that prevent was, an Italian grandmother from giving you food for crying out loud? I know, I know. It was it was ridiculous. Has anybody been actually so, turned in? Any grandmother been turned in for giving food? I have no idea. I would like to think, <laughs> think that no one is doing Pray like turning in people. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's insane. It's like I can just vision a, a jail cell full of Italian grandmas. <laughs> <laughs> like, with their pots of uh-huh. like, what are we doing here people <laughs> this- well so today is the anniversary of last year we were locked down for 55 days wow today one year ago was the very first day that we could take our kids outside so we were allowed to walk dogs um we could go on like walks on our on our own um just within 100 meters of home yeah but one year ago today they said you can finally take your kids out one kid at a time and they can't run so we could only like they have them walking. Run. Coronavirus can't yeah. catch you if you're if you're uh, walking. They can catch you if you're running. Though. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Thankfully, now we don't have those rules anymore. But it must have felt yeah, like was, being released from jail to get out of the it sun. It did. Again. And you know, I've I've told this story before, but our churches were open. Mass wasn't allowed, but we could go to church. But it had to be within a hundred meters of our home, and that's not a lot of space. So when we would go out, we had to have a form with us that we filled out what time we left, where we lived, where we were going. And if we got caught and the form was wrong, something was wrong, we were 101 meters from home, we could literally be fined on the spot or arrested. Wow. And there were times that I was going to church and it was a little further than 100 meters, don't tell the Italian government, but I would literally hide behind cars and buildings looking for the police before I would cross the street to get to the church. Oh my goodness. And it felt, I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't going to be like crucified or burned or skinned alive, but it felt like the persecutions. Yeah. I mean, here's a Christian trying to get to church to worship and I'm having to hide from the authorities to do so. Well, that is insane. Was, I mean, that yeah, literally is diabolical confusion uh, and just utter insanity. Yesterday we had a guest on who from Ireland to talk about how masses are criminalized there, mm. public masses anyway, yeah. uh, a priest yeah. could to be uh, could be prosecuted or uh, prosecuted rather under the law for saying a public mass, and so could parishioners for attending them. And uh, and I asked him if there were underground masses being said in Ireland. He said yes, there are underground masses going on right now in Ireland, of all places. Right. You know, uh, to so to to hear you uh, describe, you know, your papers, please. You know, it's like that hasn't yep. happened in the Eternal City since the Nazi occupation of the place. Um, right. That's very insane. Uh, wh- uh, so uh, no more papers, right? That those are gone. You're back to normal. Well, we have the we have the papers this weekend. Oh, um, you do, but 
Yeah, but again, we're allowed to go to mass. We're allowed to go to church. We don't have a restriction on how far we can go. Oh, praise God. And and over Christmas, we had this similar lockdown over Christmas. It's really to prevent families from gathering. It's not to prevent us from going to church. They're not checking anything. So it's nothing like it was a year ago, mm. but it's still ridiculous to have to fill out a paper and say where we live and where we're going. Yeah, amen. Mountain Butark is our guest. We have a, about, just about a minute and a half left with you, uh, Mountain. I wanted to ask about uh, the the suspension of private masses on the side altars and how the locals are seeing that move. Do you have any insight there? I don't know one person that thinks it's a good idea. Wow. It's, it's insane. It makes no sense. Um, there are people that they think like, oh, it's a private mass. It's just one priest. That shouldn't be allowed. But the private, I mean, the terminology in Rome, private mass means anything outside of the normal mass schedule. So it could be a group of 200 people that requested an altar for their group. That's a private mass. These are the things that's being banned. And they've moved them into the grottos. And so what that does is it, it takes away the, the opportunity for people to just wander in the church and stumble upon a mass in the morning mm. and find one in their language because to get into the grottos you have to get past security and they're not like stopping people but a normal person Does, is going to feel a little yeah. intimidated to have to go up to a security guard and say can i go down these steps Insane. so it's terrible it's awful i know no one that's happy about it all right mountain butark god love you and god bless you thank you for being on our show this morning i assume folks can find you on facebook Yes, thecatholictraveler.com. That's my website. Thecatholictraveler.com. God bless you, Mountain. Have a great day. Happy Triduum and happy Easter to you. All right, praise be to God. That's going to do it for hour number one of Catholic Drive Time. Join us in hour number two. Prizes are going to be given away today, plus news and so much more. We'll see you then. God love you. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. In 1 Timothy, it says that Jesus is our sole mediator, yet we pray to Mary and the saints. Is that going against the Bible? 1 Timothy 2 verse 5 says, There is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. By praying to the saints, we're accused of going against the Bible because it seems we are making the saints mediators between God and man, not just Jesus. In the Old Testament, we see that Moses, Abraham, and Job interceded on behalf of others. That's mediating between God and man. Plus, we know that it is okay to ask others here on earth to pray and intercede for us. That's mediating between God and man. So once again, we have a situation where a passage of the Bible is being misinterpreted and misunderstood. There is only one mediator between God and man, the man Jesus Christ. But as members of the body of Christ, he allows us to share in his mediation. Scripture says that we have only one foundation, Jesus Christ, 1 Corinthians 3.11. But Scripture says that there is more than one foundation, Ephesians 2.19 and 20. Scripture says that we have only one Lord. Lord Jesus Christ, Ephesians 4, verses 4 and 5. But Scripture says there is more than one Lord, Revelations 19, 16. Scripture says that we have only one judge, Jesus Christ, James 4, verse 12. But Scripture tells us there is more than one judge, 1 Corinthians 6, verse 2. Contradictions in Scripture? No, not when these passages are read in context. 
Jesus is the only foundation. Jesus is the only Lord. And Jesus is the only judge. But we are members of Jesus' body. Therefore, we are able, according to the graces given by Christ, to share in Jesus' role as foundation, as Lord and as judge, and in other aspects of Christ as well. Another example, as a father, I share in God's role as the Father by His grace. And so also the saints in heaven can and do share in Christ's role as mediator. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. We're currently cruising at 39,000 feet. We'll turn that seatbelt sign off for you and let you move about the cabin. Looks like we're about two hours and ten minutes from landing. Plenty of time for you to pray for vocations to the priesthood. Wouldn't it be great if everyone prayed daily for priestly vocations? Why not start today? A friendly suggestion from Guadalupe Radio Network. Welcome to your Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God, we ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious, it's fun, it's your Catholic Drive Time. With Joe McLean and Emily Alcaraz. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. It is so good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Thank you for joining us today. The last show of the week, by the way. No show tomorrow because it's Good Friday. And we're going to be off. We're going to be celebrating the Triduum. We're going to be going to the foot of the cross. And there, to look upon our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, suffering and dying for us, bleeding out slowly, so that I might have an opportunity to be with Him forever in heaven. Isn't that amazing? You get to do that. Praise be to God, you get to do that. By the way, hashtag seven sorrows challenge. I wonder, have you been praying the seven sorrows uh, rosary this week? We had Gabriel Castillo on on Monday, challenged us to pray the seven sorrows uh, rosary all week long. So I wonder who's been praying that. If you have, let us know. We'd love to know. We just finished a conversation with uh, Mountain Butarik. He is a travel guide in Rome. We'll be posting that conversation later today on YouTube. But he shared, I mean, that crazy story about having to have papers, where you're from, how far away are you from your house, what time, uh, that, that was a crazy story. I mean, that is really draconian, absolutely insane. Uh, so again, we'll post that conversation later today on YouTube and on Rumble, Facebook, everywhere. Then we had a, also had a great conversation with Deirdre Hairston, who was a pregnant mom and was experiencing first trimester sickness. During Holy Mass last Sunday, and the and so she needed to take her mask off, and the pastor called the cops and had her removed forcefully. It was a crazy story. We we did discuss that with her, and we'll post that conversation as well as a separate uh, and its own separate little video on our YouTube, on Rumble, Facebook, and elsewhere. You can find that later today. Plus, the podcast is available on our website, grnonline.com forward slash cdt. Uh, Emily Alcarez is not on the show today. She is off. She is in Chicago in the Windy City enjoying the Triduum with her family and Easter Sunday morning. We'll, we'll have her back on Monday, but Fran Fawcett-Peterson is filling in for her today. Good morning to you, Fran. Good morning to you, Joe. Praise be to God. I, I, you know, I keep the window open so I can see the sunrise. <laughs> you know? Yes, it is there. I mean, we- if you're going to get up at 3 o'clock, 
o'clock in the morning, you might as well enjoy the sunrise. Yeah, you got to enjoy something. The coffee was really good. <laughs> well, praise be to God. We're very excited to have you back in the studio with us today. And today is special. This hour is special. We're going to have the Fear and Trembling Game Show. So uh, we get to uh, give out prizes today. Ooh. Today's that day. Mm. We're going to have, of course, your breaking news and stories. Uh, nothing but good news, right? Nothing but good news. Nothing but joyful good news. Well, we, I, I think you actually sent uh, Emily to Chicago to uh, <laughs> investigate this 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 top of the news report, and that is amid a plan to merge and close dozens of parishes, the Archdiocese of Chicago has disproportionately closed parishes that minister to black Catholics. That is according to the chief strategy officer of the Archdiocese, Cliff Barber. He says it's because of low attendance. Under Cardinal Blaise Kupich's project, interestingly called Renew My Church, Chicago has been closing and merging parishes for several years. In the latest round, nearly 40 mainly black parishes are listed. There are nearly 800 predominantly black Catholic parishes across the U.S., most of them in the East and the South. The Arkansas Senate voted 28 to 12 on Monday, passing a bill banning gender transitioning procedures for children. The SAFE Act... Save Adolescents from Experimentation Act is expected to be signed into law by Governor Hutchison. It also bans the use of public funding for general transition procedures for children under the age of 18. According to a Pew Research Center survey, two-thirds of U.S. Catholics say that President Joe Biden should be allowed to receive communion, even though Biden has contradicted the church teaching on abortion, marriage, and gender ideology. He actually presided over a gay marriage. And a Catholic priest and at least six others were killed by gunmen in an attack on St. Paul's Catholic Church in the Diocese of Kincha, of Katsina Allah, Nigeria. As yet unidentified gunmen invaded the village of Aitwar and burned homes. People fled to Father Ferdinand Fanon Gulban's parish church of St. Paul. Father Ferdinand was ordained to the priesthood in 2015. The diocese noted that he was on his way to renew his priestly vows alongside his brothers in the Chrism Mass at St. Gerard Magella Cathedral when he was killed on this Holy Thursday. Joe McLean, those are your headlines. Sorry to end on such a sad note. Yes. Wow. Thanks, Fran. You're the best. <laughs> I'm only teasing. I know you're not responsible for the crazy <laughs> in our planet. Uh, let's pray for the crazy in our planet, for Amen. the conversion of sinners, for a restoration of the faith. Uh, you know, first time ever in America, less than half of Americans attend a, a Christian church of some kind. That's Less than half and declining fast. And did you hear the story, Fran, about uh, the, the the school board in California uh, approving uh, this sort of like this critical race theory that's going on over there? They're having kids chant to Aztec pagan gods because, you know, these white colonialists killed their gods and brought in their Christian God, and they need to make up for that, apparently. We have returned to paganism. Exactly. I've read an interesting thing about 400 years ago, we got the printing press, and the printing press helped people to read and understand and know one another, and so it, yeah. it, it helped in, in uh, human rights and uh, in, in women being considered Insane. equal. And now we've gone completely Back backwards, and now we're judging people by the color of their skin. Yes, and anyway, let's pray for a conversion of the souls uh, before they die so that uh, they don't have to face the fiery pit of hell. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known 
that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come. Before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O mother of the word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Blessed Anacleto Gonzalez Flores, pray for us. He was born on the 13th of July, 1888, in Jalasco, Mexico. He was the second of 12 children born to Valentin and Maria, and he entered the seminary and was an excellent student, but realized that he didn't have a call, so he discerned out of the priesthood. Instead, he became an attorney, a lawyer in the Archdiocese of Guadalajara in Mexico, married to Maria Concepcion, and they had two children. He attended Mass daily. He visited prisoners and taught catechism. He was a leader in the Catholic Association of Mexican Youth, founded the magazine of La Palabra to speak out against the anti-Catholic actions of the Plutarco Caius government. He founded the Popular Union to organize peaceful opposition to the Calle government and their anti-Catholic actions. When official oppression escalated to murder and Nicolito began writing and speaking out against the government urging people to support and aid the rebels in what became known as the Cristero War looking for a way to crack down on Catholic leadership Officials arrested Anacleto on a false charge of murdering an American, Edgar Wilkins, and he was tortured, mutilated, and finally executed. He was shot by firing squad on the 1st of April, 1927, in Guadalajara. His last words, I die, but God does not die. Blessed Anacleto Gonzalez Flores, pray for us. The gospel today comes to us from John chapter 13, verses 1 through 15. Before the feast of Passover, Jesus knew that his hour had come to pass from this world to the Father. He loved his own in the world, and he loved them to the end. The devil had already induced Judas, son of Simon the Iscariot, to hand him over. So, during supper, fully aware that the Father had put everything into his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God, he rose from supper and took off his outer garments. He took a towel and tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and dry them with a towel around his waist. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Master, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus answered and said to him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but you will understand later. Peter said to him, You will never wash my feet. And Jesus answered him, Unless I wash you, you will have no inheritance with me. Simon Peter said to him, Master, then not only my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus said to him, Whoever has bathed has no need except to have his feet washed, for he is clean all over. So you are clean, but not all, for he knew who would betray him. For this reason he said, Not all of you are clean. So when he had washed their feet and put his garments back on and reclined at table, again he said to them, Do you realize what I have done for you? You call me teacher and master, and rightly so, for indeed I am. If I, therefore, the master and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash one another's feet. I have given you a model to follow, so that as I have done for you, you should also do. The Gospel of the Lord. 
Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, I said this in the last hour. This is chock full of typology, which is like my favorite subject when it comes to scripture study. I absolutely geek out on typology. Absolutely love it. It's just so amazing to me. Uh, it was Scott Hahn's fault. Uh, his book, A Father Who Keeps His Promises, was my first introduction to typology, biblical typology. And once I got the bug, boy, uh, it just it it really grew on me. So this is powerful because of the parallels between Moses consecrating Aaron and his sons as priests of God Most High. He's doing the same actions and using the same words, and Peter actually recognizes this. After he says, you'll never wash my feet, and Jesus is like, if I don't do this, you will have no meros in me. You will have no part, no inheritance in me. Just like what Moses said, uh, what God said through Moses to Aaron and his sons. And that's when Peter says, okay, well, then my hands and my head too, just like Aaron and his sons. So, Jesus is ordaining his twelve as priests. Uh, my, Judas, of course, uh, betrays him, which is acknowledged in this passage. Uh, it's so incredible, and we can dive all day into it, but I wonder, Adrian, did you have a chance to see what Cornelius Alapidae or, or St. Thomas Aquinas had to say? Yes, so it's it's actually quite a lot. Uh, <laughs> Cornelius Alapidae has like a page for each verse wow. in this section, and it's it's quite it's quite amazing, really. I highly recommend people go and read this. I'm just like blown away right now, uh, but a couple things that I wanted to point out was, one, the Church fathers were actually, this is a highly debated subject, was whether or not that uh, the washing of the feet was a sacrament. And a lot of the people, because the washing of the feet was so sacred that Christ himself told the apostles to do this, that the uh, church fathers were of, uh, of opinion that it might be a sacrament. And it was only years later that they had solidified the seven sacraments. And so it's kind of funny because... You read uh, the church fathers, they're arguing, they're saying, oh, yes, the seven sacraments, there are seven. And the argument wasn't there were less than seven sacraments. The argument was there were more. Uh, and then the Protestants come along, they're like, oh, no, there's only two. Uh, so the, all of church history, they've arguing over having eight or nine. And uh, we slipped down to, down to seven. And then now they say there's only two. Uh, the other important thing is Peter. So they have Peter here. Our Lord goes to Peter first. And then whenever Peter first, because every, all the apostles would have had the same reaction that Peter had. They would have been like, no, no, Lord, do not wash my feet. Let me wash your feet. But our Lord goes to Peter first. Why does he do this? Because with the example of Peter, of Peter being first to be chastised, being the first Pope, being the leader of the apostles, he was first chastised. So the rest did not need to be chastised. So they followed the example then of Peter and submitted themselves to being, uh, to the humility of Christ to allow Christ to wash their feet. And, uh, Cornelius Lobbit, it goes on and on about how, uh, the washing of the feet is symbolic of overcoming Adam's sin, which Adam, because he fell over the, the snake. And so the washing of the feet is symbolic of purification of that sin, that entrenched, that sin in the beginning. Uh, so I think this, it's, it goes on and on. I just love this. This is like an incredibly yeah. deep passage that we mm. kind of blow over and we don't really see yes. the significance of it. We call today Holy Thursday. Uh, traditionally, it was referred to as Monday Thursday, not Monday Thursday, but Monday Thursday. Monday referring to mandatum, meaning the washing of the feet. So the, the whole day is dedicated to this topic. So I, I highly recommend going through and learning more about the washing of the feet. Amen. Praise be to God. All right. So here's the deal. We are going to have our Catholic trivia game show, Fear and Trembling, after this very short break. The last three chances to get in on today's prize is 
now, basically. So if you want to be in on the drawing, which we were going to pull, we're going to pull a winner today on this show, live on the air. So you got to call right now if you want to get in on this. 877-757-9424. Call right now for your chance to get in on the game show prize. We'll be right back. We all know children have a natural innocence and a sense of wonder. Yet our world is full of distractions that can pull families in the wrong direction. But with the help of God and a church family, your children can grow in the security of faith, hope, and love. Weekly Mass provides that critical faith foundation needed in life. So if your family hasn't been to Mass in a while, we'd like to invite you home. Discover more at catholicscomehome.org. Protestants like to use James 2, 10 through 11 against the Catholic doctrine of mortal and venial sin. Because James says, whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. But James can't be denying the doctrine of mortal and venial sin because in 1.15 he affirms it, saying that sin in its beginning stages doesn't bring death, venial sin, whereas it does in its more mature stages, mortal sin. The point James is making in James 2, 10 through 11 is that we must keep all the commandments in order to avoid incurring the guilt of transgressing the law. We can't say to the Lord on Judgment Day, Lord, I only broke one commandment but kept the other nine. So James 2, 10 through 11 is simply a misfire in trying to take down the Catholic belief of mortal and venial sin. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. For 2,000 years, we've helped the poor and comforted the sick. We've educated generations of children, developed the scientific method and college system. We support marriage and human life. Guided by the Holy Spirit, we compiled the Bible. We are the Catholic Church. With over one billion in our family, sharing in the fullness of Christian faith and the church started by Jesus. If you've been away, visit catholicscomehome.org today. Welcome home. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. <laughs> the Catholic Trivia Game Show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time and Fear and Trembling, our Catholic trivia game show, where we have a secret and hidden agenda. Don't tell Hollywood. They'll make a movie after it. All right, so here's the deal. If you're just joining us, uh, this is a Catholic trivia game show where I have three Catholic trivia questions. They are certified. They came in a box. I don't have the box in front of me. But at any rate, certified Catholic trivia questions, and uh, we have three of them. But here's the kicker. We take a caller, and the guest does not need to know any of the answers to these questions. They don't even need to know, because I don't even ask them the questions. I ask 
Uh, today, it will not be Emily. It'll be, in fact, our friend David Magianis with the Guadalupe Radio Network. Good morning to you, Dave. Good morning, everybody. Uh, turn your mic on. Good morning to you, Dave. Good morning, Praise everybody. Praise God. Woo. Good to see you. Uh, filling in for a, uh, for Emily Alcaraz, who is in Chicago with her family this weekend. So it's good. Thanks for getting up early and being on the show. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here. So I'm, have, I'm ready to have some fun. So, all right. So our secret and hidden agenda is I will be asking these questions to you and to Adrian. One of you will be right. The other will be wrong. And the caller will have 15 seconds on the clock to decide who do they trust more. Today, it's David or Adrian. But uh, our agenda is, you know, you teach a little bit about the faith. You learn something new you didn't know before. We have a laugh in the process, and we give out prizes. Uh, we, we can't actually play the sounder today, Adrian. I'm kind of sad. Aww. Because <laughs> uh, she's not here. Emily's not here. Tell them what they're going to win, Emily. Tell All them right. what they're going to win, Joe. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that was way more motivated. Wow. All right. So, SomedaySaints.com, S-O-M-E-D-A-Y, Saints.com. SomedaySaints.com is generously underwriting our prize this week. In fact, we are, I think they, I think the winner gets to choose from a variety of options thanks to SomedaySaints.com uh, for generously underwriting our game show this week. So we'll play the game, we'll pull the winner, and they will get to choose. We'll connect them to SomedaySaints.com and they'll get to choose from some options and they'll be mailed directly to them. So praise be to God for that. All right, so everybody who tried to call this week, God love you. Thank you for trying. Next week, we'll have new prizes, new opportunities, but we always take the first caller on the show. Annette, good morning to you. Thank you for being on Fear and Trembling. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Praise be to God, Annette. Where are you calling from? Um, I'm calling from Halton City. Excellent. And where do you go to church? Um, St. John the Apostle. St. John the Apostle. Praise be to God. Standing at the foot of the cross. I love that. And uh, I'm told, Annette, that you, you, you have your, your sons in the car with you? My, grand, my granddaughter, my grandson. Oh, your granddaughter and your grandson. Praise be yes. to God. Well, that's yeah. awesome. It's always fun when, when kids are involved, uh, mostly because they know all the answers, and that helps. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> well, we're very excited. Now, Annette, are you familiar with the rules? Yes. All right. So you know that you have to listen carefully because uh, these two could try to trick you and throw you off. But I, however, am totally on your side. Are you ready to play, Annette? I am. All right. Uh, David, since you're sitting in Emily's seat, we will start with you. Are you ready? I am ready. Are you sure? I am sure. Are you sure? Pretty sure. Here we go. <laughs> David, can you tell me, what holy day of obligation falls on August the 15th? Okay. August 15th. Yeah, what holy day of obligation is that? I know this one, Joe. Uh, this is the Feast of the Assumption. Wow, very confident. Very confident. Are you sure? 99%. Not 99. Wow, that, you, that's, pretty, that's pretty sure. It's pretty sure. All right, so let's see what Adrian has to say. Adrian, can you tell me, on August the 15th, what holy day of obligation falls? What holy day of obligation falls on August 15th? Uh, that would be the Feast of the Crown of Thorns. Are you sure? Yeah. Uh, okay. Yep. All right. So your answer is the Feast of the Crown of Thorns. Yep. And uh, David is on the hook for the Feast of the Assumption. So Adrian, Crown of Thorns, David, Assumption. 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Annette and the grandkids, what say you? David. Survey says... 
You Ooh, see, there we go. No yeah, the kids on the board. There's no fooling kids. All right, you're going to have to put their name on that paper there, David, and uh, throw them in the coffee cup of divine providence uh, because they got one chance. So congratulations. You're in the cup. Do you feel pretty confident, pretty good going into the next two chances? Yeah. Praise God. All right. Yeah. Well, uh, I want to say they get easier from here, so let's just see how it goes. Uh, Adrian, we'll start with you this time. Awesome. Adrian, can you tell me... What term refers to a short string of beads for counting prayers that is shorter than a rosary? Uh, that's shorter than a rosary. Hmm. I'm going to go with a hmm chakra. A what? A chakra. Gesundheit. God bless you. What? A chakra. A chakra? Yep. I don't know what... I have to Google that. Okay. A chakra. All right, so let's see what David has to say. David, can you tell me what term refers to a short string of beads used to count prayers like a rosary, but is shorter than a rosary? Shorter than a rosary. Okay, uh, I'm going to go with chaplet. A chaplet. Chaplet. Uh, wow. Okay, sounds... Uh, I just sound so happy. It sounds better than a chakra, whatever that is. <laughs> okay, so uh, David's on the hook for a chaplet, and Adrian is on the hook for a chakra. 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Annette and the grandkids, what say you? What? What? You didn't go. No. What? Wait, what were they again? David's on the hook for a chaplet. Adrian's on the hook for a chakra. Oh, Chaplet, David. Survey says. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Two. Two. Uh, did was the chakra throwing you? I'm just curious. Uh, I think he meant nunchucks. What no. Is, what <laughs> is a chakra? By the way. So I, I, I mispronounce. It's it's a chakra. It's a uh, it's the prayer that they use for the Jesus uh, prayer that the Eastern oh. Catholics use that are little beads, but they're uh, they're made out of wool. But they're it's, it's a chakra. Chaka. A chaka. Something like that. I can't pronounce words. <laughs> it's, it's spelled C-H-O-T-K-I. Chotka. It's, it's kind of pronounced kind of funny. We're going to have to yeah. have someone on from the Greek Orthodox stuff. But it has more beads understand. than a rosary, though. Many more beads than a rosary. Okay. Praise be to God. So the chaplet is shorter than the rosary. Congratulations. You guys are in the coffee cup of divine providence two times now. You're, you're so close to a perfect score here. Uh, this last one, in all fairness, might be tricky. All right, uh -oh. it could be possibly, uh, maybe just maybe. Who knows? We'll see. We're going back to David this time. David, are you ready? I'm ready. All right, David. Can you tell me what does the following mean? Domine non sum dignus. Domine non sum dignus. What does that mean in English? In English. In English. Oh. Can you repeat that one more time? Domine non sum dignus. Okay, domine. I'm going to go with Lord. Okay, hey now. Lord, please help me with this. Lord, please help me with this. Okay. Is that the answer or was you, were you asking for help? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not neither going to deny, confirm or, confirm or deny that. Okay. Uh, Lord, please help me with this. <laughs> Your answer is Lord, please help me. Please help me. Okay. Let's see what Adrian has to say. Uh, Mr. Double Major, can you tell me, Domine non sum dignus, what does that mean in English? Uh, let's see, Domine non sum dignus is 
Lord, I am not worthy. Lord, I am not worthy. Lord, I am not worthy. I feel like Which my heard that my degree somewhere. in communications does not help me with Latin, just just for the record. <laughs> what? All right. Come on. A- Adrian is on the hook for Lord, I am not worthy. And David is on the hook for Lord, please help me. <laughs> 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's Adrian. wrong? <laughs> Survey says. Congrats. There he goes. All right, David, can you finish that sentence? Domine non sum dignus. Yeah, complete the Latin phrase, David, for us. Um, it wasn't, uh, Lord, please help me. Okay, so uh, I don't know, Mr. Do, Double Major. Do you know, how about this? Uh, pop quiz, do you know when you hear that said during Holy Mass? When do you hear it said? Do you guys know? I do not. Annette and the grandkids, do you know? Do you know? When do you, when do you hear, Lord, I am not worthy, comes right before we go up to receive Holy Communion, right? Absolutely. Uh, domine non sum dignus, Lord, I am not worthy. Praise be to God. Congratulations, Annette and the grandkids. We have put your name into the coffee cup of divine providence. Uh, we are Fran Peterson what? is mixing it up right now as we speak, and we're going to pull out a name. Oh. You may not be pulled. I don't know. God's will be done. <laughs> but let's just see. Well, she has a name picked. She is about to announce it live on the radio. This is the winner from SomedaySaints.com. Fran, you're keeping us in complete suspension here. What are you doing? Please read the name. Emilio. Whoa. Emilio. Emilio. All right. Congratulations, Emilio. Well, Annette and the grandkids, uh, you guys played a perfect game today, but it was not God's will that you should be pulled out of the coffee cup of divine providence. But we are so grateful to you anyway. Thank you so much. Thank you. God love you guys. Thanks for having such a good time with us today. Hopefully we all learned something. Praise be to God. Have a great day. God bless you. Thank you. God bless you. All right. Uh, So I would normally say at this point, that is going to do it for the radio side, but that's actually not true today because there will be no mass at 730 on the radio. And the reason why is because it's Monday, Thursday. And uh, the only Mass will be this evening uh, for uh, for uh, Holy Thursday. So hopefully you'll go to Mass at that point. So we're going to stay on the radio, actually, for the next half hour. Now, typically we would do a after show just on social media, which means we allow our audience to drive the conversation where they want it to go is where we take it. And we interact with our audience uh, that way. But because we're going to stay on the radio, we'll do some of that for sure. We will uh, we will recognize all of our, our friends over on our video feeds of uh, Facebook, YouTube and Twitter. Plus, we're going to interact with our team here. David is here and uh, friends here and Adrian and myself. And then you can interact, dear listener, if you want to jump on the comment box on Facebook. Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. We would love to have you. You can find all the links at grnonline.com forward slash CDT, or maybe we can open up our phone lines even and let you call in and be a part of our program. You can comment and and, uh, ask questions or whatever. So we'll see how all that goes in the next 30 minutes of our program, typically called the after show of of Catholic drive time. But either way, we're going to let you sort of steer the conversation. And maybe, just maybe, we'll get to know Miss Fran Fawcett-Peterson a little bit. We'll put her in the hot seat, ask her some tough questions. She's a journalist. She's interviewed presidents, for crying out loud. She can handle the heat. And we'll just see how that goes. But all of that is coming up the next half hour or so. So uh, we're going to go to a break. We'll be right back with more Catholic drive time. Special 30 minutes still on the radio. 
next Monday, this coming Monday, it'll be back to normal. The Holy Mass will be back. So stick around for that. God love you. God bless you. We'll see you right after this very short break with more Catholic Drive Time. Don't go anywhere. conception is a Catholic dogma that many Protestants have a hard time accepting. They claim it shouldn't be believed because it's not found in the Bible. But I beg to differ. Recall how after the fall in Genesis 3.15, God promised to set enmity between the woman and Satan, between the woman's seed, the Messiah, and Satan's seed. This separation from Satan means the woman's not tainted by sin in any way. Moreover, woman seems to be a title for Eve in her pre-fall state, as is the case in Genesis 2.23. She isn't called Eve until after the fall in Genesis 3.20. So who's this new woman? It's the mother of the Messiah, Mary. So just like the first woman was created without original sin, so too the new woman, Mary, was created without original sin. That's to say, immaculately conceived. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers. Catholic.com. Years ago, when I started acting, modeling, and singing in Mexico, my Catholic faith was not the center of my life. It took me many years to discover that success, fame, money, and all the pleasures of the world were not going to fulfill me. I got to a point in my life where I thought I had everything, but I realized something was missing. Thankfully, I began a faith journey that brought me back to God and the home to the Catholic Church. You can too. Discover more at catholicscomehome.com. Having trouble with your car radio? No worries. The Guadalupe Radio Network has just released our new version of our app. With the app, you can get a crystal clear connection of your local station no matter where you are. You can also listen to podcasts of past shows and find more ways to connect with us. Getting the new app is easy. Just search the App Store on your phone for the Guadalupe Radio Network and either download it or if you already have it, choose the update option. Happy listening. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. It is so good to be on with you. Praise be to God. This is the this is typically called the after show. Uh, because we're typically not on the radio. There is no broadcast radio mass right now. Uh, usually you'd be listening to a mass broadcast out of the assault uh, uh, facility down in Corpus Christi. Um, but there's no mass broad- broadcast today and today only because of the Triduum. It's Holy Thursday, so the mass will be tonight. That's why uh, you're hearing us right now. So it's special. On Monday, back to normal schedule. Don't worry. And again, on Friday... Uh, tomorrow, there will be no Catholic Drive Time show. We will not be in studio. We will be celebrating the Triduum along with you. So, praise be to God for that. We'll be back on Monday for our regular scheduled program. But in the after show, if you're just joining us, you're like, what is going on? I typically listen to the Mass. Well, there you go. That's why. Um, but we typically have an after show just on social media. So, we get a little, uh, I would say, silly. But uh, casual is the word. We get a little more casual because we're just on social media, but today we're on the radio, so we're going to keep it uh, a little more tighter than we'd normally do. But we're very grateful because usually it's the audience that drives the conversation in the after show. So anything that we discussed during our, our program on the radio is 
up for grabs, plus anything else you want to talk about. We had some great guests today. Uh, Deirdre Hairston was uh, a fascinating interview about her experience at that parish, being thrown out of that parish last week. And of course, Mountain Boutreic in Rome uh, was a very interesting conversation. Again, we'll post all of those videos as individual conversations on our YouTube and on our um, Rumble channel, on Facebook and elsewhere later today. So praise be to God for that. Um, let me just also mention this before we jump into acknowledging and recognizing some of our, our incredible fans on social media for sure. Today is my wife's birthday. Praise be to God. Oh, April happy birthday. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. I remember uh, in 1997 when I graduated broadcasting school in Oklahoma, I sold my car, and I bought a one-way uh, train ticket from Dallas to Boston. And I remember, you know, I grew up in Texas, and I remember getting stepping off the train in Garden Station in Boston uh, on April 1st, 1997, with snow on the ground. And I thought, this is insane. It's snowing in April. It's like halfway through summer in Texas already. <laughs> And there was snow on the ground. And, uh, and by the grace of God, you know, it was my, wife, my future wife's birthday, and I met her later that year. And I got to tell you, the first time I set eyes on my spouse, I heard an internal locution say, she is the one. Why isn't it that easy for me? And I, pers I, I, I pursued her with everything I had. I blood, sweat, and tears. I literally have the scars on my thumbs from uh, from working odd jobs to buy the ring to to ask her to marry me. And when I when I I've shared the story before many times, and I won't bore you with the details now. But it was on top of a mountain. It was pretty incredible. It was a, it was a big deal. And uh, when I asked her to marry me, you know, we were eating lobster dinner up there on a dining room table set that I dragged up the mountain. And she said, uh, you know, you're going to have to become Catholic. Good for her. Good for her. That's the kind of evangelization I'm talking about. <laughs> so happy birthday, my love. Thank you for, for, uh, for all the 20, you know, now 22 years, six kids and two grandkids. I love you, honey. All right. Praise be to God. We're going we're gonna to move on from crying on the radio right now <laughs> to acknowledging our incredible fans uh, who are hanging out with us and been hanging out with us all morning long on social media. Who do you see there? Patty is back. Patty! She, she said she forgot that there is no mass today. And so normally our friend Patty is on the show with us during the first hour and she hops off for the second hour because she heads to mass. But she forgot there was no mass today because it's Monday, Thursday, and she uh, had jumped back onto the show. So welcome back, Patty. Welcome back, Patty. It's like a welcome back, Carter. Remember that, friend? <laughs> I, have no I do. Unfortunately, I do. I love that show. Well, See, you know? you, I have no idea what anybody's <laughs> oh, talking about. No. With Emily not in the studio now. I'm outnumbered. David is here, and he is of my vintage, and Fran is here, and she's of my vintage. So we are outnumbering the youth for once. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Kata! Mr. Kata! Man, good show. Funny show. Yeah, who remembers Welcome Back, Carter? That's, oh. that's funny. Oh. Right. No idea what you are. No I, idea. I am uh, completely lost. lost right now. I, what happened to like, you don't use inside jokes in radio? I, what I have no idea what talking about. What are y'all saying? Jesus Robles, our buddy uh, and generous uh, provider of these incredible statues in the studio. Well, he has, he's got another one coming next week. Oh my gosh, they're just fabulous. He, I hadn't seen, yeah. I, I hadn't seen this. He's um, got another one. He's got a crucified Jesus. 
that is spectacular. And, uh, of course, we have the uh, St. Michael statue in the corner over here, but he's going to bring the crucified Jesus in next week, and it is, like, breathtaking and stunning. Oh, wow. So, uh, praise God for Jesus. Dave Palmer, I see you hanging out there. Praise be to God, Dave. Thanks for joining the show this morning. David Gonzalez, I think you're a first-time commenter. Do we have a first-time comment sound? Do we have the horns yet? Uh, maybe. Jesus is oh. a friend of mine. <laughs> so every time there's a first-time commenter, you get the first-time comment noise. And uh, I That's guess it? Hey, I wanted the horns of the apocalypse. You know, and we got we settled with that one. We settled. We settled with that one. <laughs> I told Joe. I told. I told Joe that if we, if God really wanted the uh, horns of the apocalypse, well. <laughs> I'm, I'm begging God to do it. Please, Lord, give us the horns of the apocalypse <laughs> versus that. But, uh, David, thanks for commenting on the program today for the first time. Very good. To, glad to see you here. Uh, Valerie, uh, good morning to you. Luz, I see you there. Good morning. Christopher Chance, of course, our friend, is always here on the show. Very glad to see you, of course. Uh, this is on the Facebook side. I also see Josh. I see uh, Gloria Diaz-Lopez. Good morning to you. Praise be to God. Lori. Lori, yes, Lori, of course. Donald Paddock, good morning. Thank you for being on our program. Susan Weber, good morning. Joaquin, it's good to see you. God bless you. God love you. Thank you for being on the program. Tony, thank you for uh, commenting on the Facebook side. Who's on the YouTube side, Adrian? We have a lot. Kathy, our dear friend Kathy. Oh, my goodness. Uh, If we have a chance, I would love to read the email she gave us. Yes, let's let's circle back on that in a moment. And uh, Monica, 93, uh, Mr. Thomas is on with us. Uh, So, so many people are here. Uh, Valentine, Chris... Uh, who else is on here? Monica, did I already say her name? Chris, uh, another Chris, different Chris, Chris Ruiz and Chris Velasquez. Uh, let's see. So many. Eric is on with us. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus is on with us. Uh, Jennifer is on with us. And Susan is on with us. So I think that's everybody. If I miss you, uh, comment back and say, Adrian, you didn't say my name. <laughs> yes. Uh, Susan, also from Massachusetts, uh, as well as Kathy. God love you and God bless you. My wife is from Peabody. So, uh, it's always exciting to see folks from, uh, from her, her, her hometown. Did you mention Leticia, uh, Ramirez is I also. I don't think on. I did. Yeah. Good morning, Leticia and Angelo. It's so good to see you. Praise be to God. Thank you for being a part of our show. Um, all right, let's uh, let's talk about Kathy for a moment. Now, Kathy is a friend of the show. She listens from Danvers, Mass. Uh, she's typically praying in front of an abortion uh, clinic, and she's about to come into the Holy Church after 72 years. Yep, 71 wow. years, Woo. 11 months, oh. and 361 days. Well, yes. She's but who's thought counting? about it. She's, but thought who's counting? About it. <laughs> she's been considering and discerning this whole time. Good for her. Uh, now, but there was a, there was a curveball earlier this week. Because we've been talking to Kathy now for a long time. And Kathy uh, shared with us that it, they, they were going to cancel her confirmation. Oh, no. Because of COVID issues. Mm. No. So, yeah, like, you get all the way to this point and you're going to cancel? Like, I don't think so. So, uh, by the grace of God, she talked to her pastor and uh, she found a solution in West Peabody. There's a, uh, there's a, a TLM there uh, that she was able to go to and her pastor gave her gave her permission to talk, and they were able to work this out, I think. And you have the update, right, Adrian? Absolutely. We asked Kathy if she would let us know whenever uh, she got confirmation that she was able to be brought into the church this Easter. And she did. So last night, uh, when I was heading to sleep, uh, I got an email from Kathy, and she sent it to all of us at the CDT team, and I was blown away. This is so amazing. She said that 
Uh, let me just read you to this first line that she sent us. She said, Today, after adoration, divine mercy, and rosary, I did my 71-year, 11-month, 361-day confession. I was humbled. I was humbling. It, w- it was humbling. But afterwards, I felt like 72 years of absence of abscesses was removed from my innards. And so I was like, wow, that, that is amazing. She went on to tell us about how Catholic radio, uh, really changed her life and, uh, that the, the priest was telling her, you know, you know more about Catholic church than I do. And she said, it's because I listen to Catholic radio all day. Uh, so amen, amen to that, Kathy. So she was going to be, uh, brought in on, uh, on this Sunday, on uh, Easter Sunday at, uh, Saint, let's see. If I can find the name of the church, she said after the noon mass at St. Patrick's uh, father read a letter from the other priest from the pastor there stating that after this mass, the parish will be closed until April 10th uh, because of COVID. He said more people in the church contracted COVID, including one of the priests. And so they had to, so they had to close the church. So St. Patrick's, they have, apparently they have seven priests there, seven priests. And so they, she was said she was really surprised because they're really diligent in, in uh, obeying the COVID guidelines. And so they spray after every mass, have hand sanitizer everywhere. She said she believes that Satan is involved because St. Patrick's is a vibrant, spirit-filled church. So they, uh, so she said that um, she said <laughs> she said Mother Angelica said Catholics, Catholics get the best Protestants and Protestants get the worst Catholics. <laughs> LOL. I love oh, Mother man. Angelica. So that's pretty awesome. She also told us that her. She talked to her old priest whenever she went to the Anglican church, I believe, and the priest told her uh, that she is so happy that uh, that she is going to join the uh, Catholic Church. For her. Uh, she's very happy for her. She knows that she'd made this decision with uh, many much uh, thought and much prayer, and so she's very happy for her on her journey. So that's really exciting. I'm really happy for Kathy. I've been praying for her, and I hope everyone in our audience will be praying for her during this wonderful event of Easter Sunday. I can't even imagine. Like I was introduced to the church 22 years ago on Easter Sunday, and uh, I'm only 20. Uh, well, I'm 23. I guess I forgot. I had a birthday. So wow. 23 years ago. <laughs> Praise be to so, God. So uh, I just, uh, yeah, so it's pretty amazing to think about 72 years and coming into the church. Praise be to Jesus Christ. That's so amazing, Kathy. God bless you. God love you. Uh, I think it's a Welcome, Kathy. Welcome, welcome, Amen. welcome. We are so blessed to have people like Kathy come into the Catholic Church. We who grew up in the church, and Joe became a Catholic, people who have to learn about it and who 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 get the grace of God to help them see the truth and the light and the beauty of the Catholic Church. So you're a cradle Catholic friend? I'm a cradle Catholic. Yeah, praise yeah. be to God. Thank God. I don't know that I'm smart enough to have found it. Now, how far back does the Catholic faith go in your family? Do you know? Uh, well, um, I'm on, on my mother's side. Um, they are Scottish Catholics, so they held on to the faith through the persecution. The <laughs> uh, they are the remnant. My grandmother Crawford, Christina Crawford, was a fierce Catholic. Yeah. If you know anything about Scottish Catholics and yeah. the, those that held on to the faith, they yeah. really are. My, my heritage is uh, Scottish on two two lines from my dad's side, and on my mother's side, it's all English. But uh, we go back to the McKays and the McLeans and uh, Duart Castle on the island of Mull. You know, and I was just saying this to someone recently. Uh, we, we interviewed somebody yesterday from Ireland, and they're doing these underground masses there because the mass is illegal. The I heard that. The mass is illegal. Yeah, I was listening. Um, Scotland is pretty much lost. I mean, not even for the Protestants. I mean, it's lost. It's agnostic at best. I mean, it's mission territory now. It really is. It's very, very sad. It very is sad. very sad. Yeah. 
because they are, um, well, when they come back, though, there's hope. When they yeah. come back, they will again be fierce Catholics. I, you know, as a I grew up Protestant Church of Christ, uh, most of my family on my dad's side is Church of Christ, where we get the Scottish bloodline. And I was fascinated to learn, I think my father was a little shocked to learn, that the McLean clan supported the Catholic uh, king mm-hmm. in, in Scotland. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, so fascinating history with, with the Catholic faith. I mean, Braveheart, you remember Braveheart? Oh, listen, I have an aunt who called me up and said, you have to go see Braveheart. <laughs> it's, it's family history, you know. Because, because uh, uh, William Wallace's mother was a Crawford. Oh, wow. Yeah, oh, really? so, yeah, family oh. history. Hey, know. now, freedom! <laughs> yeah, that's pretty awesome. Praise be to God. But uh, it is sad to see. You know, and I think about the, the story of immigrants today. You know, immigrants, and I, I, I feel like there's no exception to this rule. Immigrants come from all over planet Earth to America, right? There's a reason for that. Mm-hmm. And you would think that they uh, would bring the best of their culture, of their people to our country, and, and improve, but most times they come here and they assimilate and become just like the rest of us. Wow. And they, and they become agnostic and secular. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, look at the Hispanics that come into our country. Uh, family-centered, you know, Catholic, if, if, cultural Catholic at the, at the least, but sometimes fervent Catholic too. And within a generation or two, their kids are secular their kids don't even speak Spanish anymore. I'm not saying they shouldn't learn to speak English. I do believe that. But my point is they've lost their culture, but also their religious uh, identifications as well. That's true in my, my wife's family. Both of her parents are immigrants from, from the Azores and Portugal. And they tend to be culturally Catholic, but not fervently Catholic. Of course, there's always exceptions. There are some wonderful Catholics in her family. But um, you see what I'm saying? It's oh. like, and the Scottish, our family came in the 18th century, mm-hmm. and on both sides of, the, of, of my family, from England and in Scotland, and they're pretty much, you know, um, they're losing that identity. There's the Scottish Catholics, the Scottish Christians have lost their identity in many ways. I have, I have uh, Scottish and uh, Irish on both sides, and, um, the, you know, they all were Catholic when they came to the United States, and... Um, and then, you know, drifted into Presbyterianism and, yeah. and um, uh, Episcopalian. And now they're pretty much agnostic. And then I'm one of eight, and it's interesting to see what's happened with that, because um, we have two who are actually uh, Protestant now, one Episcopal, one yeah. Presbyterian. Where are you from originally, Fran? That's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad I've asked <laughs> I'm an Army brat. Um, yeah. My parents met during World War II. Oh, wow. And then I'm an Army brat with eight children. My father got a Ph.D. and educated us, um, you know, because uh, faculty children's scholarships, which mm. have pretty well gone away. Um, and uh, so lived a, a variety of places. But I've been in Houston over 30 years and consider it home. Mm. Well, so where is the family centered normally? Oh, well, there are four in Texas and four in South Carolina, okay. and uh, I was actually born in South Carolina. Um, the family is uh, the low country of South Carolina, so mm-hmm. the Charleston-Savannah region is, um, is, is considered home. And you were a professional journalist for a long time. I, wa- I was. Tell me about yeah. that. Oh, that was interesting. Um, I, I, you know, you, you, you accept the talents God gave you, and he, he taught me to talk. <laughs> good one that's a good one you know one day somebody came by you know somebody was working at the station but n- but not in the news business and said you know what is it you do all day <laughs> and i thought about it and i said well i read and i write 
And um, this woman looked at me and said, I couldn't do that. Give me a headache. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. I've just been saying for years, I only have one real talent, you know, and that's it, you know, and it ain't digging dishes. Okay. <laughs> so I'm not good for a whole lot, to be frank. <laughs> I'll put the dirt in the wrong place. <laughs> that's right. Uh, well, well, tell me about some of the places that you have worked as a journalist, but also tell me about some of the incredible people you've interviewed over your career. Oh, I've been really blessed. I've I've been to the White House doing interviews there. I've interviewed wow. a- astronauts. I've I've watched space um, shots from the closest you can get at, no at Cape, Caver- Cape Canaveral. I mean, the air actually physically shakes. It is unbelievable. Hmm, really? It, oh yeah, it's well, just amazing. Uh, you know, I went to the White House last year, about a year ago at this time. I was traveling for the GRN, and I had a chance to go to D.C., and after the close of the business day, I decided to play tourist, and I, I walked you know, the, uh, the mall, went down to Lincoln, hung out with Lincoln for a little bit, got accosted at, uh, at the, uh, at the uh, what do you call it, that uh, uh, Washington, Washington Monument. Monument. Yeah, I got accosted by some crazy person. Uh, Most I, of them there are, though. Yes, way. that's true. What did you do? All of Washington. Uh, I didn't do anything. I was minding my own business. But okay. I almost knocked the feller out. I mean, I threatened him. I'm like, leave me alone, dude. And uh, anyway, then I, I decided to go up to, uh, to the White House. And I had never been to the White House. And um, I didn't know what to expect, right? But it was, it was at night, and it was creepy. Because uh, the barricades, and this was a year ago, so b- before the riots started, the barricades were already out. They were building a new fence, but there was people shouting. There was a guy shouting crazy stuff, like not even like political, just literally insane stuff. Living in a in was a, he in Congress or out? No, yeah, <laughs> I couldn't tell if he was a part of Senate or the House of Representatives. I wasn't sure. I didn't want to be a judge. You know what I'm saying? Like. So uh, he was living in like a little hut he made out of political signs. You know, those like plastic political signs. He built a hut right there in front of the White House. Oh, I know that guy. And he was living, (laughs) he was living there and it was weird. And it was just like, it felt really like otherworldly. And I just sat back and I, I actually went and sat on a bench in the park and I just looked at the, the, at this scene and it was just, it was weird. Well, in the otherworldliness now with what, a 12-foot fence with concertina wire and yes, the National Guard exactly. surrounding our capital, but the border where 250,000 a month are coming yeah. across from 50 countries is yeah. completely unprotected. Now, what does that tell oh, you? Oh, not that I want to dive into a headline here, but let me dive into a headline here. <laughs> Huffington Post. Okay. I never, I never refer to Huffington Post, yeah. by the way. Huffington Post. 80% of Central American women, girls, are, uh, are raped crossing into the U.S. We are supporting human trafficking. We are supporting the abuse of women and children. It's insane. It is absolutely so wrong. And it's going to cost the state of Texas a billion dollars to fund it. It's so insane. But let's go back to you before we run out of time. <laughs> Enough I, of the like, world. I, let's I saw, go back to you, yeah, Lauren. I'll like, see what you're doing. Like a savvy political <laughs> journalist, she, she wiggled out of this. But I'm, I'm going to put She's her right good. back on the hook. She's good. Listen, Joe, uh, I ask questions. I don't answer them. <laughs> uh, permission to treat the witness as a hostile witness. Uh, uh, no, I want to know about the experience of being a journalist in the White House uh, and how intimidating that must have been well the first time that i was actually at the white house um i was there to interview um uh, george bush senior so that tells you how long i've been doing it Uh, (laughs) (laughs) and it was actually it was thrilling um i I asked uh, my news director if i could take my husband he said i'd take my wife 
So, Praise be to God. Yeah, my husband got to go with me, and I said, well, you sit over there, and as soon as I reach up to take my microphone off, you come over. And he did. I mean, it took like no, a and, bolt. <laughs> and, and, and the president looked down at his feet, and he had on uh, cowboy boots. Oh, cool. And then the president rose up out of his chair, smiled, and shook my husband's hand. How cool. Well, the amazing thing is we were invited back to a Christmas party. What? what? And so we're going through the receiving line, and, and, and the president looks down, and he sees the cowboy boots, and he comes back up, and he goes, Philip, and sticks his hand out. Now, I don't know if somebody was telling him something, but it was, it was amazing. He remembered his name. Yeah. The, from cowboy, the cowboy boots. boots. Yeah. Yes. Awesome. How <laughs> so cool, cool is yeah, that? Yeah. Only in Texas. Yeah. Now, okay. And so, then I was there for, um, and this is a long story, and you're not going to get the whole thing. You got about a minute and a half. I was there for um, uh, o- Obama's Hanukkah party. Wait. Really? Hold I was on. at Hub, uh, Hanukkah? Obama's I'm, I'm Hanukkah his, party he had a in Hanukkah the White party? House. I thought he was a Christian. Uh, yeah, well, uh, you, you got to celebrate, you know. Some oh, so of your, he was celebrating you know, Hanukkah. Hanukkah for, yeah, it was a party okay. for. So it wasn't for, his Hanukkah party. And well, you know, who knows? He was just the host. It, he was the host, yeah. yeah. Uh, that's weird. It, it was weird. It was an, an entirely different scene from the Christmas party because he actually had a press conference in the middle of the party. Just like they uh, we interrupt the back, this party to bring you the press conference. They, they they opened the back doors quickly, did a podium, and invited this horde of journalists in, and um, it was weird. It that was is, weird. That is yeah. awkward. It was. I wanted to know what was the one thing you stared at most in in the White House. Like what? At yeah, like what? What would captivate you? For oh, me, it'd be the oh, paintings, probably or no, hanging on the no, wall. No, it was the. Um, um, representatives of the armed services the um, young men and women who are there just as security but also as sort of greeters you would never know they were there as security they are the finest of the finest they were so personable they were so um, uh, just delightful and helpful I I was really really taken by these best of the best of our armed services no kidding Wow, that's amazing! I, I someday I'd like to take a tour of the White House if it's still standing. I mean, who knows anymore? <laughs> <laughs> if it's still standing. It's it's a, it's a beautiful, beautiful place and a beautiful yeah. tribute to the people of the United States of America. And yeah. and the paintings of the the um, uh, former presidents are are just spectacular, and they're all throughout. You know, my wife and I. Um, one of the things we did, uh, I guess you could say we did it during the season of Lent. We didn't do this for any sort of Lenten practice, but we were just enjoying time together. And we went through the um, the HBO series on John Adams. Did you ever see that? Uh, no, I didn't. I read read a book on him. So. Oh, yes. Yeah. I, so a year ago at this time, because of the lockdown, uh, I'm a history nerd. I love history. And I decided somehow, I can't remember, I don't remember how it came up, but I just I got the hankering to study the Boston Massacre again. And I so that led me to John Adams, who defended the English soldiers against the yes. colony yes, and did. against, and he got got them off actually. Um, and so we went through the series, uh, HBO series of John Adams, and the scene of him being in the White House for the first time. He's the first president in there, and he's like, "For all the future people who will have to inhabit this house, oh, please, Lord, help them." You know. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, my sister says we must read the letters of Abigail Adams. That yes, that is really good. The, yeah, incredible uh, story of uh, of a faithful husband and wife 
in such difficult days. And supporting our nation and yeah. its founding. It is a great series if you can get it. I bought it through Google Play Store, I think. It, I do recommend it. But anyway, Fran, God love you. Thank you for coming in today. Oh, my pleasure. My honor. Praise ha- be to God. Happy Holy Thursday. Amen. That is going to do it for Catholic Drive Time. Happy Easter to you. Happy Triduum to you. We're off tomorrow. We'll be back on Monday at our regular scheduled time, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern, for keeping you informed and inspired. We have a whole lineup next week. We're very excited. God bless you. God love you. Happy Easter. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you.